Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. I'd like to tell you a story. A true story. It's got all the ingredients you need for a good story. It's got hope, desire, despair, lust, grief, love, a, a broken heart, and, and also a very unwelcome erection in a, in a public sphere. It's got everything. I've, I've called the story the hardest time of my life, which is actually a very clever double entendre because it relates to the fact that it not only was one of the hardest times of my life but also it relates to that very unwelcome erection but we'll get to that in due course for this story we need to rewind around 20 years apple had just announced their first ever ipod player and we are introducing a product today and that product is called ipod your entire music library fits in your pocket never before possible Two American airline Boeing 767s crashed into the World Trade Centers. We believe that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center in New York. The film Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone debuted in London for the first time to the delight of small children and adults that should probably know better. I can wear Harry Potter clothing every day for three months without wearing the same thing twice. I'm sorry, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get the whole Harry Potter thing grown-ups worshipping a fucking wizard. In fact, one of the deciding factors for us leaving London wasn't the knife crime or the air pollution. It was seeing fully grown adults playing Quidditch on Clapham Common. The prospect of getting stabbed in my throat for my iPhone was nowhere near as traumatic as seeing adults playing fucking Quidditch on Clapham Common. We were out of there. If we were to zoom right in, we'd find a far less salient of an event. We'd find a skinny young teenager who smelt of Lynx Africa and desperation with frosted tips held together by Dax Wax. A teenager who, for the very first time in his life, had fell madly and deeply in love. Yes, you guessed it. That teenager was none other than me. I fell in love with a girl. Let's call her Sarah. I first met her on a platform on Guildford train station one night. I noticed her straight away as she walked onto the platform with a few of her galemates, who I happened to vaguely know from around town, and they all came over to say hi, and that's when I was first introduced to Sarah. I remember she was wearing a tight black top with a small logo saying Kukai on it. I, I don't know why I remember that small detail, but I thought I'd add it in for a bit of fluff. Sarah was one of those girls who's just effortlessly pretty in that English rose sort of way. She had quite sharp features that would soften when she smiled. Her eyes arched with her lips to reveal these two deep set dimples on either cheek. She looked a bit like a porcelain doll standing nobly amongst a bunch of 
old dusty antiques. We ended up getting on the same train and all made the sort of tedious denial conversation that teenagers make before I waved goodbye when they got off at their stop, which was one stop before mine. I wasn't sure if I'd ever see Sarah again, but I really hoped that I would. A few weeks later, I found myself in one of those god-awful insipid townie bars. This one in particular was especially awful. It was called Bar Med. It had the sticky floors from spilt bottles of Smirnoff ice, giant novelty Red Bull cans for drinks tables, faux leather wipeable cream seats, an enthusiastic dead behind the eyes DJ chipping in over some S Club 7 to wish some basic bitch a happy birthday before saying amazeballs and dropping into Macarena. You know the sort of place. Fucking hell, basically. I don't really remember why I was there, but I was for some reason. I was talking to my friend James when I felt a gentle tap on my shoulder, and when I turned round, there she was. We ended up talking all night, which led to us kissing, which led to me walking her home to her dad's house where she was staying that night. She normally stayed with him at the weekends and her mum at the weekdays. We're here, she said, as we stopped at the driveway of a modern-looking house with floor-to-ceiling windows. It didn't look like anyone was home because the windows were dark and undisclosed. I asked her what her dad did for a living, as the house was, well, pretty impressive. She told me he was an ENT surgeon, and I pretended to know what that was, but later found out it stands for ear, nose and throat surgeon. Just as I was bidding Sarah farewell and about to walk home to my far less posh part of town where I lived in a bedsit with a Portuguese guy who used to steal my cheesecake out of the fridge and deny it until one day I caught him red-handed, which wasn't, as I quote, a complete waste of a police officer's time. It was a crime and should have been treated as such. I know the law. Anyway, the real loser here is Portugal. There's a new Portuguese bakery opening up in my hometown of Bath shortly, and you know who you'll never see there spending his money on baked goods? Me. Anyway, let's get back to the story. Suddenly, the mellow evening air, perfumed with little more than Lynx Africa and Impulse, swirled as it was churned up by a lucid green Porsche 911, roaring up behind us and pulling into her driveway. My dad's home, she said in a surprised tone that masked if that was a bad thing or not. The roar of the engine died and ticked with heat, and a few moments later the door swung open and out of the darkness arose a terrifying ENT surgeon, her dad. He walked slowly towards us. I was so suddenly acutely aware of not only where I was, but almost who I was. As he was walking towards us, I stopped feeling like a human. I I started feeling more like a, a pulsating gland. A sweaty-palmed townie, a, a clammy sack of raging hormones with frosted tips held together by axe wax. His beloved sweet daughter, flanked by this scrawny teenage boy fueled in life by little more than pasta with Dormio stir in sauce and thoughts of boom boom. Bouncy bouncy. Baka chicka wow wow. Belittling Belinda's bungalow, bulging the back of the old onion bag, buttering the biscuit, watching bargain hunt in the bath, burping the worm in the mole hole, burying the weasel, bushwhacking, buying frisbees, buzzing the brillo, sex basically. As her dad, aka the ENT surgeon who cuts people's ears, noses and throats for a living, neared, I held my ground. I had to. There was no other way around this. I won't lie, I did consider sprinting away and hiding under a van. I even considered suddenly camping up and pretending I was his daughter's new sassy gay best friend before complimenting his cornflower blue tie. I even considered pretending I was a Tory. This was Surrey, remember? But I knew what had to be done. 
I needed to prove I wasn't a coward and hold my head up high, stick out my chest and my quivering hand and simply say, hello, nice to meet you, sir. My name's Stefan. You can call me Steph. He was only a few feet away now when I suddenly remembered something, something truly horrifying. You see, at the time, I thought I knew my shit when it came to dressing well. I thought I was at the cutting edge of fashion. More than that, I thought I was a fashion maverick, a pioneer, an icon, a fashionista. G-star double denim? Hell yes. Turn ups on my jeans up to my fucking knees? Let's go. A bright white French connection t-shirt that said in black writing across the chest, too busy to FC UK? That's my jam. So there I was, standing my ground, with his beloved sacred daughter's tinted lip balm still shimmering on my lips, about to try and make his killer first impression. All while my two skinny emaciated arms hung out of a t-shirt saying too busy to FC UK. Now, if I had a daughter, and if that daughter ever kissed a man that wore a t-shirt saying too busy to FC UK, I'd probably implode into a supermassive black hole and absorb all light and matter. I'd engulf the whole fucking known universe, crushing it into a singularity. I'd then create another Big Bang, birthing a new universe, a perfect universe with no war, famine, disease or Portugal, where everyone was united by love and togetherness. Then I'd also crush that fucking universe just for good measure. That's what I would do. She flung her arms around him. Daddy, meet my new friend Steph, she said. He smiled as he embraced her, revealing the two same deep-set dimples as she had. My trembling, sweaty hand already poised, ready and waiting. Nice to meet you, he said before firmly shaking my hand and then sinking his eyes down to read the slogan on my t-shirt. His eyes slowly rose back up to meet mine. I held his gaze for a few seconds while we both quietly and discreetly died inside. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Despite that awful first encounter with the most terrifying person you'll ever meet as a man, your girlfriend's dad, Sarah and I fell madly and deeply in love. And this was my first love. And now the next part is going to sound like something you'd hear at a Clinton Cards think tank session. So please forgive me, but I need some creative rope. I'm probably going to hang myself with it, but just just go with it. Your first love is something of a shock. 
it awakens part of you. It's, it's like when rain suddenly falls in a barren desert and suddenly a, a once desolate landscape springs to life, turning into this symbiotic ecosystem flourishing with, with life and ebulence. Your first love is a watercolour on a canvas. The colour bleeds into the fibres and sinks into the otherwise blankness of it all. It has its own intentions. It's impossible to control, so you just have to, to go with it. It's as if your trembling atoms harmonise together, becoming deeply entangled and entwined. Your, your love is as endless as the universe and as, as potent as all the burning stars within it. Ever since I was a, a, a little boy, I've wanted to have a proper girlfriend. But for that to happen, I needed a girl to like me as much as I liked them. Being a kid, I, I fell in love all the time with girls. I, I, there was Vari Johnson, Rachel Hill, Daniel Shirley. I loved them all, but I was invisible to them. I was just an awkward, freckly, buck-toothed kid. I was what you would call a late bloomer. You see, this is how it works with men. We all bloom at different times. Some of us bloom early, and by the time we're 30, we look like someone you'd find at a UKIP conference in Tunbridge Wells eating beef-flavoured crisps. But some of us, like myself, are, are yet to bloom. We're still somehow on the metaphysical incline, getting a little bit more attractive every single day. I guess we're a bit like denim jeans, cast iron skillets, balsamic vinegar, leather jackets, pickles, fine wine. Anyway, this time was different. We both fell in love with each other. So suddenly life became a symphony. But as they say, love is blind. And they're right. It blinds you from a universal truth of life, that nothing lasts. All of that entanglement will sadly at some stage have to be torn and ripped apart. And that love, like you've never known, will give way to a pain like you've never felt. Many of you listening to this will be familiar with the pain of your first breakup. Nothing prepares you for it or how much it impacts you. It's like an unrelenting minor note that you can't unhear. It's a, it's a dense fog that you can't escape from. A dial that desaturates every sensory perception. It's a pain that will manifest itself in so many different ways over the course of the recovery. But eventually, after time, you'll, you'll learn to see it as a process and to remember that each day that passes, you get a little bit closer to closing that book forever. One day, you'll look at that book and you'll appreciate it being there and how much it taught you. I think it's a book many of us need to have read and need to have on our shelves. Another thing they say is bad things come in threes. So after my breakup with Sarah, the company I was working for went into administration, so I lost my job. Then all my friends buggered off to university. Suddenly I found myself single, alone and jobless. And that to this day was the lowest and hardest part of my life. I called one of my close friends, James. James is one of four brothers, so he's naturally one of those no-nonsense, say-what-you-think guys. You'd go to James for tough love, and I guess that's what I needed. I didn't want there there i needed someone to tell me to get the fuck over it he told me in no uncertain terms to pull myself out of my pathetic swamp of self-pity pack my bags and come and stay with him in his university room for a couple of nights and he'd do everything he could to make me feel better he said he promised to give me a night i'd never forget and he was right because all those years later here i am about to tell you about that very night oh and don't forget to bring your smart black shoes he said before hanging up Thank you. 
I reluctantly agreed and slumped myself onto a train seat and proceeded to gaze through the scarred window at the knotted trees and pallid sky that passed by as the train rumbled me towards London. I've always lived with depression. It comes into my life every so often and sits with me for a while before drifting away again until the next time. But this was something far more sinister. This was dense and unrelenting. It it didn't just sit with me, it, it completely consumed me. Shortly after arriving at James's student halls, James told me to get ready for our big night out. He didn't tell me what or where we were going, he just said I needed to look my best, so don't hold back on the Dax wax and I could splash on some of his izimiyaki. We walked through a bleary street-lit London for some time before arriving outside a club that I'd never seen before. It had a sign above the door saying Spearmint Rhino, which, as it turned out, was a fancy underground strip club on Tottenham Court Road. Two ogres in suits eyed us over and made sure our shoes were black enough and permitted our skinny, eager legs over the threshold. Down some stairs and through two imposing doors which revealed a huge, decadent room perfumed with sleazy jazz in a dim light which draped over the dancers as they floated around us like dust. For those of you that are unaware with the workings of a strip establishment, allow me to cast some light. The girls in the clubs normally pay the club to work there. They then recoup the money and some with private dances, normally charged at around £20 and lasting a few minutes. To them, you are simply just a fleshy cash machine dispensing free money. All they need to do to extract the cash is show you a bit of boob, a bit of bum, laugh at your lame jokes and you'll cough up like a dirty-fingered 40-a-day smoker. Now, before I talk about the next part, I need to I need to add a caveat here and just, just say that I find my wife, Hannah, the single most beautiful formation of atoms that has ever existed and ever will exist. So let's just leave that park there before I move on. Because for a long time, I had no idea she existed. So for a long time, she wasn't that. So what what I'm about to say is how I felt at the time, almost 20 years ago, before I knew of my wife's existence, before you get the idea. I can't get in trouble for this bit. It was how I felt at the time. James and I were sitting at our table like two hungry fat kids staring into a bakery. Sorry if you're a fat kid listening. My broken heart waiting patiently outside the club for me. When suddenly something caught my eye. Suddenly both time and matter danced nimbly inside a beam of white light which poured over a dancer who was walking out onto stage. I was completely transfixed by her. As soon as she arrived on the stage, she disappeared again. As mysterious and elusive as the dark matter that binds together our universe, swallowed back into the depths of the club and no doubt consumed by the desire of wealthy bankers. I tried to shake her off and went back talking to James and thanked him for taking me here and telling him how much I needed it. I saw James lift his gaze to look at something behind me and when I turned around there she was, the dancer that I was transfixed by somehow even more beautiful up close. I stood up and thrusted my hand out for a nervous handshake before awkwardly introducing myself and my my friend James. I knew deep down that I was just another fleshy cash cow for her, someone who would hand her all of his money that he had and didn't just so he could spend a few minutes in her company. I knew that, but like all the other men in there, you choose not to believe it. We talked for some time and it turned out she was an Italian called Anna Maria who danced in the club to fund her studying. I don't know why I did this next bit, but I guess I felt like I had nothing to lose. So I asked her for a phone number. 
She said that wasn't possible due to the club's policy, which I obviously didn't buy. But as a compromise, she said, I could have her email address. And if I could make her laugh, then she would let me take her out on a date. She came back a while later with her email on a scrap of paper. I buried it deep in my pocket and felt it burning my leg for the rest of the night. Walking, floating back to James's with my sadness trailing behind, unable to keep up, I felt something that for a long time I hadn't felt. I felt happy. But I didn't have time to bask in it because I was too busy hatching a cunning plan. You see, it so happened that at the time I was deep into teaching myself web design, which back then included a program called Flash. Flash is what you use to make animations. I'd often spend my evenings and weekends making stupid animated cartoons of my friends, so already a plan was formulating. That night when we got back to James's room, I jumped on his computer, opened Flash and started a new project. That evening I spent all night animating a cartoon of me dancing around a pole with Y fronts on and white socks pulled up to my knees while in the background was a dodgy looking sign saying Peppermint Hippo Club. I then animated some text to appear over the animation saying, Hi, Anna Maria, call me. That was kitsch, but it's all I had. I emailed her the animation that night and went to bed on James's hard floor. A few days went by and I didn't hear anything. Then a week and still nothing. And then two weeks passed and still nothing. And then after about three weeks, my phone rang with a number I didn't recognize. I answered it and it was her. She said the animation made her laugh and we arranged to meet in London for a date the following week. I put the phone down and immediately panicked because the reality suddenly hit me. I was about to go on a date with a dancer whose sole job it is to turn men on. Scientists recently measured how long it took a photon to cross a hydrogen molecule. In doing so, they measured the smallest amount of time ever recorded. They called it the zaptosecond. A zaptosecond is one trillionth of a billionth of a second, which, in all honesty, is a fucking lifetime compared to how soon I would have lasted in bed with a professional dancer when I was in my early 20s. In fact, I would probably finish so fast that I would actually reverse the space-time continuum, jumping back through the fabric of time, probably landing right back at the start of the breakup and having to live it all from the start all over again. I'd be stuck in a really annoying perpetual space-time loop of heartbreak. I needed to make sure that didn't happen. I called my friend James and asked him what I should do. He told me not to worry. He borrowed a few of his dad Viagras, so he'd send me a couple which arrived on the day of the big date. I nervously packed my essentials in my rucksack. Four Viagra, spare pants, socks, t-shirt, toothbrush, chewing gum, deodorant and one bruised banana for the trip. I shut the front door behind me and off I went. I was so excited and nervous that I could have probably run the 40 miles to London. With a spring in my step, I bounded onto the train to London and gazed through the scarred windows at the noble trees and endless sky. Life was suddenly a damn sight brighter. The plan was to meet at her house and then we'd go out to a bar close by. I turned up at a tall glass door and buzzed her number. Hey, it's Steph. The door clicked and I pushed my way through. I took the lift up to her floor and she had a door open wide waiting for me. Come in, she said. Thanks, I said, trying to sound confident and assured. That's a big bag you have with you, she said. I then realised my first massive mistake. I practically had a toothbrush sticking out of my huge overnight bag. She must have assumed that I assumed I was going to stay over, which I did assume, but she couldn't assume that. If she assumed that, I assumed that, or that would be the end and I'd have to go back to remembering I was heartbroken. I had to think on my feet. 
I'm staying at James's. You remember my friend from the club? He lives in London, just round the corner. Oh, well, right, she said, sounding unconvinced, but welcome me in. She asked if I wanted anything to drink while she finished getting ready. I sat perched forwards on her sofa, flicking aimlessly through a Hello magazine, trying to look casual while feeling deeply and completely out of my depth. I was playing it cool, at least trying to. I wanted to look totally non-fussed, as if chilling out and going on dates with the most beautiful women I'd ever seen was something I was totally familiar with. Wardour off a duck's back. Standard shooting weekend. We ended up going to a bar in Soho and had a chat over our drinks. I was trying to style it out for as long as I could, but I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't fight this urge within me that really just needed to tell her how beautiful I thought she was. So I did. You are the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. I know it's all subjective. I get that. But I just want you to know that I don't think I could possibly find you any more beautiful than you are. I knew she must have heard this all the time from all sorts of cheesy men like me, but I, it's all I could think about. So I had to tell her. I didn't care if it blew my cover. It was a it was a feeble cover anyway. She quietly scanned my face for a few seconds as I looked away in embarrassment for showing my cards so willingly. We sat there while silence cradled the moment. And I really didn't expect her to say what she said next. She said... Why don't you come back to mine and I'll cook you something for dinner? I pretended to think about it for a few seconds, leaning back, looking at my watch and making a sound in a feeble attempt to claw back some of my laid back cool vibe. Yeah, why not? I said before chugging the rest of my drink for what little extra courage it could provide. We left the bar and started to walk back to her apartment. I knew I had to act now on the Viagra front. My friend told me it takes about an hour or so to kick in, which when the lovemaking should be underway. So, with a cough, I threw in four 100 milligram Viagra pills into my mouth. I'm going to repeat that. Four 100 milligram pills. My friend said, half of Viagra, so 50 milligrams, would be more than enough. I just took eight times that. Why? Because this was a professional dancer, plus one of the most beautiful people I'd ever seen in my life. I wanted to prove to her that I was no boy. I was a man machine. I don't know what a man machine is, but it sounds impressive. In my adolescent mind, four Viagras would equal four times as long, four times as hard. I'm sorry. Four times as impressive, basically. After getting back to her place, she started to throw all sorts of ingredients into a pan, and the smell was divine. I leaned against her kitchen doorway and watched adoringly as she effortlessly whisked and stirred and poured and chopped and sliced away. She told me she was making a secret Italian carbonara recipe that her grandmother had taught her. I felt a wave of dizziness envelop me. I thought it was maybe because I was falling in love, but it wasn't that. Something felt wrong. Deeply wrong. Are you okay, she said. I'm fine, I said before scurrying myself off to the bathroom and looking in the mirror. I was horrified to see my face was bright beetroot red and sweaty. I was short of breath and feeling waves of nausea. It was the four Viagras I took taking effect. I looked at myself in the mirror and told myself, in no uncertain terms, to snap the fuck out of it and whatever happens, Steph, do not fuck this up. I went back to the kitchen doorway trying to look cool AF. You sure you're okay? She asked, clearly noticing something was very wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, thanks. I said with glazed eyes and a red sweaty face. I must have looked like I was about to commit a sex crime. She told me to sit down at the table in the living room and she followed me in with the food. She slid a plate piled high with steaming carbonara under my nose. 
I thanked her and started to wrap some around my fork. But it was no good. The dizziness and nausea had such a tight grip now and it wasn't letting me go. Every time I thought about putting that creamy pasta in my mouth, I felt like retching. I felt the walls close in. I'm sorry. I can't eat this, I said. I don't feel well. She tried to look okay with it, but her eyes told another story. I felt my hands beginning to shake. So when are you off then? She asked in a sudden, flat tone. I think my last train is in about half an hour, so if I leave now, I'll be able to get it. Train? I thought you were staying at your mate's house. Fuck. This was like watching a slow-motion car crash, but from the inside of the car, and the airbags aren't working, and the black IPs are on the radio. Yeah, uh, my mate texted me earlier to say I I couldn't stay anymore because his mum, she's not very well, she's ill. I knew by this time it was over, so I stopped even trying. I looked behind her and made out the silhouette of my sadness, maniacally smiling and tapping its watch. I kissed her on the cheek, said goodbye, and heard her door close behind me forever. I walked through the lonely streets of London and into the mouth of Waterloo train station. I climbed onto a busy train and found a free seat. A young family followed shortly after and embedded themselves around me. It was now that nausea chose to release its grip and move aside for overbearing emotion to have its turn with me. I tried to stop it, but while sitting amongst this young family, tears started to escape from my eyes and drop onto my lap. I looked down to study the destiny of the first teardrop. It was this point that I realised the situation that I was in. I was sitting amongst an innocent young family, broken-hearted, weeping onto myself, with the biggest erection I had ever had. And that is the end of my story. It's not exactly a Disney ending, I know. But that's it. Not all stories have a happy ending, but this one does have a long-term happy ending. Like, I, you know, I ended up getting married and having kids and I'm completely happy now. But at the time, it was a very hard time of my life. Um, and I just wanted to tell you that story. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> I feel, it feels odd leaving it there, doesn't it? <laughs> leaving you with that image before I go. I probably should have rounded up the story in a, I don't know, in a bit of a nicer bow. But I just feel it's nice just to drop you off the cliff. <laughs> just leave you, link, leave you there disturbed. Yeah. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.